You know, when I was a kid, we would listen to the radio. My dad would drive us around in his Oldsmobile. I remember this, this blue Oldsmobile. It was an older car, you know, for those probably like 30 and older. You remember when you had benches and you, your seatbelt was just a belt. It was a belt across your, your waist. There wasn't this thing here. You kind of slide up and down. And my dad always listened to the oldies, which at that time was songs from the 50s and 60s, which now it's like songs from when I grew up, and that's disheartening. But I remember listening to like the Beatles, listening to, to some Motown, listening to other stuff. And at one point I asked my dad, why is it that every song is about love? Why can't they sing about something interesting? You know, as, as a kid, I just, I, I didn't necessarily have this need to, I soon grew into a need, but I didn't have this need to, to find the one. You know, it wasn't until I, I was probably in sixth grade that I realized that, that girls were a different species. But before that, before that, I had this, why are all these songs about love? And I think Christmas time is an interesting time because there's this, we, we kind of tap into this, this sense and this innate desire for love. It's a season for relationships. It's a season for celebrating life. It's a season for celebrating hope. And I, that, that's why it's so tender and, and sometimes so painful because Sometimes when we don't have those things, it makes it all the more real, you know. It's like getting the, I don't know if you guys have gotten paper cuts, but, but since COVID, getting a paper cut and then, and then putting on some uh, hand sanitizer. And you're like, oh, I've got cuts, right? Christmas time becomes that, that hand sanitizer that reminds you that I've got cuts. That there are places in my life where I, I desire love, I desire relationship, I desire wholeness, and I'm just not seeing it. And so today I wanted to look about, look about, look at 1 John chapter 4 because the, the Apostle John, you could kind of call him the Apostle of love. He likes to talk about love. He loves to talk about love. And he talks about how God really ushered in the epitome, the pinnacle, the apex of his love in the person of Jesus Christ. So we're going to be reading about the advent of love. If you guys could stand with me, it's our tradition here to stand as we read together the word of God. You know, I love this Christmas time because there's more call and response that we do. So we're going to read 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 through 10 together. 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 through 10. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we meet, might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are the God of love. That love comes from you, that it is defined by you, and it is offered to us through your Son. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would minister the love of Christ to us today. That those in the room who are longing to experience love would see in this good news 
see in this Christmas message that you have written love on it. Open our eyes and ears to hear what your word says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please go ahead and sit down. Now, as I said, the writer of this letter is a guy named John. He was one of the youngest disciples of Jesus Christ. He, he followed Jesus, and, and he wrote a lot about Jesus and his love for uh, his people and how we ought to love one another because that's how we show that we are Christians. That's how we show that we are connected. You know, we live in a world where there are a lot of ways that, that people kind of identify themselves and, and put a badge and say, you know, I'm for this or I'm against this or, you know, I'm part of this party or I, I believe in these things. And John, I think, would have a shirt on that says God is love on it. You know, I would like to say that it would just say love, but we live in a world where everyone else wants to bring love to the table and bring its own definition to love. So John is going to tell us a little bit about love. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to talk about how John shows us that God is the source of love, he's the definition of love, and he's given us and shown us the cost of love. God is the source of love, he's the one who defines love, and he shows us the cost of love. Of love. You know, love is not our idea. It's not something that we as humans came up with and, and, and it, it became something that was necessary that allowed society to, to work. You know, those who, who don't necessarily follow uh, the idea that there is a God might try to wrestle and say, well, well, love is just this sort of materialistic expression or way of understanding how the, the species has to keep going. But, but when we look at acts of love, when we look at acts of, of sacrifice and care, it goes beyond trying to preserve the species. Love causes us to do ridiculous things. It causes us to do things that don't otherwise make sense. It's not our idea. You know, the, the material world might be able to explain the, explain the idea of protection. You know, I'm a father, I have children, I protect them because they're the next generation. And, and there maybe there's something in me genetically, biologically, that wants, wants everything to continue on. But it doesn't explain why I want to buy them presents. It doesn't explain why I want to, to see them laugh. It doesn't explain why I want to have a relationship with them. It doesn't explain love. It's a... Love is a non-material thing. You can't bottle it. You can't build it. But you know it when you receive it, right? And you know it when you don't have it. Love, as the Apostle John says, is from God. He says, beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is from God. And whoever has been born of God, uh, sorry, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows how God. His point is, hey, if you want to say that you know God, if you want to say that you're connected with God, then you need to express the characteristics of God. You know, I'm a Barnes, and I have brown hair. It kind of, when it gets long, it, it does this weird thing where it just goes out. And I think that's in part because my mom's Korean, and she has very straight hair. But I didn't get it all the way, you know, I just kind of look sort of that way, because I got that from my mom. It's who I am. And those who have been born of God, those who have come into a relationship with God, who've received Jesus and trusted in him, they love because what? Love comes from God. 
It's not this arbitrary emotion. It's not this uh, biological commitment. Our love and our desire for love, is, it's a shadow that, that, that expresses the love that, that has always existed between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know, if you're, if you're new here and, and maybe you, you really haven't been around in uh, Christian circles, there's this idea that, and it's a biblical, it's a, it's a thing that we hold to be true, that God is one God in three persons. Now, if you want me to explain it beyond that, I can't. But what I can say is that God exists as one God, not three gods, but three different persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And ever since before creation, God has been loving God. He has been loving himself. God the Father has had a relationship with God the Son. God the Son has had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has had a relationship with God the Father. And when we look in creation, it's not like God looked at fathers and sons and thought, oh, I, that's, that's what I'll use to describe myself. No, he created in creation an expression of who he was. It was the other way around. So when you see the love of a father for a son or a, a mother for a daughter or a brother for a sister or a husband for a wife, these are shadows and expressions of God's love. And when we see the lack thereof in our lives and the lives of others, it expresses the brokenness that exists in our creation because of the, what, what we call the fall, the fact that in the beginning we, we sinned and even now we choose to disobey, disregard, and not follow this God of love. God is the source of love. What this means is that if you want to experience the truest and purest and most satisfying expression of love, you need to go and watch Hallmark movies. No, you don't need to do that. And in fact, I don't know what that does for anyone. But no, if you want to experience the truest and purest expression of love, I would encourage you, I would invite you, I would ask you to get to know the God of love. The God that is expressed and explained in this, this word we call the word of God, the Bible. Because God is the source of love. And he's very willing to allow it to flow to anyone who would come to him. Not only is he the source, he's the definition. John goes on and he says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because what? God is love. He says, anyone who does not know God, or sorry, anyone who does not love does not know God. If, if you don't express the characteristics of the Father, then clearly you don't know the Father. Because God is, he's not just like love, he's not just loving, he's not just kind but there's so much consistency between the characteristics of love itself and God himself that you can't separate the two. That means that if, if love is expressed in patience, then we know that God is patient. And if God is kind, then we know that, that love is kind. And if God is forgiving and caring and, and sacrificial, we know that, that the characteristics of love are, are sacrifice and care and, and forgiveness. God defines love. And, and I think that we would be fine with that until we bump up this, to this third one, that, that there is a cost for love. I think when we think about God being the source of love, God being the definition of love, we're all like, yes, sounds good. I'm all for it. Bring me the love. But then he begins to talk about what? The cost of love. 
He says this, in this, the love of God was made manifested among us. In other words, in this thing that I'm about to say, God most clearly, most explicitly expressed what love looks like. And what he doesn't say is in a, a nice warm hug. Right? We might just say, oh, love is a nice warm hug. He doesn't just say, you know, in being, you know, kind or nice. No, he, he defines love in very specific and, and, dare I say, a little offensive terms. He says this, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. You see, we can't live life as we were meant to live apart from God. Now, that's offensive, right? You, this is America. I can do what I want. <laughs> I can live how I want. I can, I can be the, the truest version of myself by defining what that is, right? Well, John would say no. He goes on and he says this, in this is love, not that we have loved God as much as we'd like to define it. John says, guys, I know, I know that you want to tell me what love is by the way that you treat God the way that you'd like to treat God, but he says that's off the table. He goes on and he says, in this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that word propitiation is a word that you don't use unless you have an MDiv for the most part, Master of Divinity, and you're a big nerd with books about theology and you know you got Calvin over here and Arminius or whatever. You've got d different characters that you read but it's an important word because in it is packed so much about the nature and character of love. You see, God loves us so much that he is willing to deal with our greatest issue. And the greatest issue is not that we need better education or we need better health care or we need less taxes. Our greatest need is to be saved from the punishment for our sins. You see, our, our greatest problem is that because of Adam and Eve, whom God created at the very beginning, a long time ago, real people whom God created, real people who God said, live this way, don't do this, and then real people who disobeyed God and thus created this separation and invited sin into the world, because of that, we are on the hook. You and I are sinners both by nature we're children of Adam, daughters of Eve, and by choice. I don't know about you, but I hear that your neighbor got angry on the way to church. You know, I, I, I heard that, that your neighbor to the left of you, don't look to the left, don't do that. We all, we've all sinned. And maybe, maybe you say, well, you know, I've obeyed the Ten Commandments. I've not committed adultery. I haven't stolen. I haven't killed. But... But have you lived up to the standard of, of perfection? If you were to begin to say, well, have you treated everyone as you'd like to be treated? Have you loved God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Have you loved your neighbor as yourself? We'd all have to say at some point, no. Because of that, we are all under what the Bible calls the wrath of God. Right? That's the bad news. How many of you thought you were going to hear about this on the way to church? Like, I thought we were going to talk about Santa Claus. I don't know. Where's, where are the elves? They're in trouble too. No, um, I don't know where elves would, f it's a different, I don't know. Anyways, so he says this word propitiation. God shows us his love, but that he sent Jesus 
God became man, became human. You know, he was born in a manger. And that God had a purpose. His purpose was to die. And in dying, to satisfy the, the judgment that was deserved to us. Because of our sin, there is a consequent that, that's due to us. And, and I, I, when I was a youth pastor, I explained it this way. If you were to come up to me, please don't do this. I'd have to tell the kids that as well. Uh, and you were to punch me during a service, that would be a problem. I would tell your parents, you probably would not be allowed to come back for a while. We'd have a conversation. Why did you punch your pastor? That's not good. Right? But if you were to go to Richmond and you try to punch the governor, you might get arrested. Right? And then if you went to the White House, and again, I'm not encouraging insurrection, please just hear this for what it is, an illustration. If you were to go and punch whatever president, this is not a political statement, you, would, you, you might get shot. Because as, it's the same act, punching, 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 but, but as the honor of the person you offend gets greater, you know, just some guy, governor, president, the consequence gets greater. And the problem is each of us has sinned against the perfectly holy, absolutely, infinitely worthy, honorable God. That is why there's a great deal to be dealt with that had to be dealt with on the cross. And so John steps back and he says, guys, do you want to know what love is? Love is not some warm feeling. It's not some kitschy rom-com. Love is a God who has every single right to say, you're going to jail. But it says, says I'm going to send my son who's going to go to jail for you. And I'm going to treat you like a son. Love is God sacrificing so much so he could invite you in. This Christmas season, family, I'm so excited for the, the animals that we're going to see kids. We're almost there. I'm so excited for the, the trappings of, of presents and, and wreaths and lights and horses and horse rides and, and all these other things. But this moment here, let us not forget that this moment was a moment that God gave us to show us what love really looks like. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love us. And that love isn't shallow. That love isn't uh, glib. That love isn't, love isn't uh, for show. But it's a deep, abiding, sacrificial love. God, I pray that you would help us to love you more, not as a way of trying to get to your love, but as a way of receiving and remembering that you have already first loved us. If you're in this room and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that, that we receive God's love. The way that we connect with God is not by our own actions, but by, by looking at the actions of Jesus and trusting him. Trusting him to be the one who is in charge of our life, trusting him to be the one who takes away that sin, propitiates that sin, trusting him to be the one who pays the debt that we owe. If you want to trust in Jesus today, would you just raise your hand? There's nothing magical in raising your hand. That's great. Once your hand's up, you can put it back down. What this is is an expression of you responding to God. And so would you pray with me, God, I 
recognize that I am a sinner, that I've broken your laws. And that because of that, there's a penalty, there's a, there's a punishment that is owed to me, that's due to me. And I, I recognize that Jesus died for my sins in my place. I turn away from everything I know to be sin and I turn to you and I trust you. Please help me to lead and live my life following you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray, amen.